Lyndon, just lovely to meet you. And I do love your background there. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Jeff. I am I'm honored to be here with you today, swimming beneath the waves of conversation about Scubaverse and all things aquatic. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Well, I know you do. Um, I mean, there can't be many people in the world whose hobby and job being a mermaid. Just, just briefly, how and why? Well, to start with, it's interesting. There are more people now doing it than, than you would probably even imagine. The mer culture, as it's called, has just exploded over the past really several years. But back when I had this little idea to become a mythical creature, it was really just a vessel to edutain, as I call it, children about the ocean. So I grew up a little sea squirt in Amish country, Pennsylvania. We were not Amish, but we were in the dwellings and I was far from the ocean. And my only way to see the ocean was to watch it on television through wildlife documentaries or to see it in books, read about it in books or in my imagination, which of course I extrapolated the visuals that I would see on Jacques Cousteau or different wildlife documentary episodes and just dream of being underwater. And so it became this thing for me where I thought, you know, and my parents are very encouraging of, and always have been of my dreams and my sister's dreams. They never laughed at a dream. They never said, oh, you can't do that. That's silly. Or you won't succeed at that. They always said, how can we provide resources so that you can learn more about that thing you just expressed interest in? And thank goodness for this. So I loved uh, filming and photographing wildlife, bugs, animals, um, little blades of grass with a little ladybug crawling up it. This just, I loved it. So I knew I was an image maker. So I had my little camera. I started taking production classes in middle school, actually. So in seventh and eighth grade, and I continued all through high school before college. And then I went to film school and I studied film and environmental science because I wanted to be an underwater wildlife documentary filmmaker. That was it. And then how did this mermaid thing come into play? Well, I went to school in Boston at Emerson College, and it was very cold there uh, for most of the year. So I was delighted when I learned they had an, an internship program in Los Angeles, California. So for my final semester of my senior year, I had this nice soft landing here where I still reside in Los Angeles. And Obviously, there's some great diving in Southern California. So I saved up my little sand dollars and I went and I got my open water paddy course done. And then I got, I continued on and, and became, of course, very excited to uh, increase my scuba education. And throughout the time when I was getting my advanced scuba diver and a bunch of specialties and things, I really wanted to be good with my buoyancy for filming underwater naturally. Um, I came across the sport of free diving additionally. So when I learned about that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I've already lost my mind on scuba. The thought of holding your breath so you don't have all the noise and all of this just, it was enchanting to me. And a very good friend of mine, Grant Graves, was directing and producing a documentary in Grand Cayman about freedivers, and he invited me to come and film and be one of his camera people. It was my first passport. It was my first really exciting international trip to some place that was not, you know, like I went to Puerto Rico, but that's a U.S. territory. So I, it was the Caribbean, 
totally amazing, exciting, exotic. There were these free divers doing incredible dives down beyond the fathoms that we could see, and they were using monofins. You see where this is going. Monofins. So I became instantly fixated on these incredible pieces of diving equipment that turned what appeared to be just normal people into merfolk. It, it, they, people just looked so elegant diving down and these undulating movements that just swept them into the depths. So I asked Mandy Ray Cruikshank, world champion freediver from Canada, Mandy, after you're done doing that world record that you're about to set, can I try your monofin? What shoe size do you wear? And we coincidentally had the same foot size. She said yes, and the rest is history. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited listening to that story. Your enthusiasm is so infectious. It's, it's wonderful. I, oh, nothing makes me happier. <laughs> oh, no, it is. And, and one of the things that make me smile is is your um youtube channel i have to say i've never seen such a happier nicer youtube channel anywhere it's 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 fantastic and there's one that caught my eye and and i've watched and i have to say and i'm not going to describe it i'm going to ask you to describe it because i should just almost burst in tears it was it was just heart rendering and that was lauren's wish Oh, oh, oh my God, I'm getting tingly now just, just, oh, just remembering it. That is so sweet. Oh, yes. Can you recount that for us? Because it's, it's a beautiful story. Oh, thank you for, for acknowledging that. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed watching that video and it impacted you in such a way that was, it impacted me in, in a profound way too. So uh, I was just a byproduct of being a mermaid for a living, opportunities flow into my life unexpectedly all the time, all kinds of things I never could have dreamed or imagined would come to be. And one of those things, which is, it's become my favorite thing to do is, and it's so fulfilling is Make-A-Wish events for children. And there are many charities that do what Make-A-Wish does, which is deliver wishes to children with life-threatening illnesses or who have battled them and overcome them even. So some wishes are for children who unfortunately are terminal. Some are children who were very unwell and couldn't do a wish when they were unwell. So they're recovered and then they get their wish. It's like this reward at the end of going into remission from whatever it is they were suffering from. So I got an email from Rays of Sunshine Children's Charity in the UK. And this charity was celebrating their 3000th wish. And this was about, I think, seven years ago now. And as soon as they told me that there's this little girl in Scotland who wishes to meet a mermaid, she's been suffering from this disease. And is it even possible? Would you come here and swim in our aquarium to surprise this little girl? And I immediately said, of course, I would be honored. It would be my delight. And I had done wishes locally here in California, but I had never yet traveled for a wish. And I had never been to Scotland. I have Scottish ancestry and I thought this is amazing. So I of course immediately said yes, extremely sweetly. Uh, Stephen Whelan of Deeper Blue came and met me with his then very tiny little baby, first baby Georgia and his wife. And they were there with me for that wish at Loch Lomond. And 
I was told to swim in the aquarium. And when I went in toward the aquarium and I asked them, what temperature is the water in that tank that has local flora and fauna in it? <laughs> and they told me and I said, it's funny because right out this window is Loch Lomond. And it can't be that much colder than this tank. And the tank is kind of small, a little restricted. What would you guys think if I swam out of the lock? Because I think a real mermaid would come out of the lock and not be in a little tank. Do you think that would be special for this little girl, Lauren? And they were like, okay, mermaid's crazy. The lock is freezing. It's, it's cloudy and it's going to be raining tomorrow morning. Like, and I just said, look, get a support boat out there for me just to make sure someone has to be out there if I somehow like go into hypothermic state and can't swim or speak in and start speaking in tongues. So we set everything up. They thought it was nuts, but they were on board. I sold them on the idea because I couldn't imagine being in that tank when that lock was right there. So we did it. And I did, I got into that lock and it felt like I was being stabbed with a thousand knives. I'd never actually been in water that cold and uh, came around the corner and Lauren and her family had been pulled up in a little limousine and she was wearing this mermaid dress and I saw the doors. I'm getting goosebumps. All, I'm going to cry <laughs> every time I think of this. And she, she walked out of that limo and her face was so excited. And I just thought, okay, this is what it's all about. You know, this is what this is all about to do things that impact a life and have an effect that is so powerful and so she came running over and she's just, mermaid, Linden, mermaid, mermaid. she's all excited. And I forgot how cold I was. I truly forgot. There was so much love. There was so much excitement. The magic was so palpable that I forgot that it was freezing cold. I forgot that it was, you know, 47 degrees and cloudy and slightly drizzly. But for that moment, the rain abated for the time of her wish. It was all mermaid to be. And it, it was life-changing for me and for everyone there who witnessed it. And yes, I'll never forget it. It was profound. It, it, it was extraordinary. And I was welling up again there just thinking of the images. And the, the two images that, that, that just are staying in my head is her running down the beach towards you and then the both of you just talking on the, uh, on the waterline. Uh, magnificent. Um, it, do you keep in touch with, with Lauren? Is, I do. Do you keep in touch, in fact, with, with many of the children who you do the wishes for? I do. And they <laughs> grow up. You know, they grow up. And, you know, I, I only recently, for the first time, did um, my first wish child passed away, which was really hard. Um, he didn't make it, this little boy, Marcus, and he'd been battling several different complications and, uh, and things for several years, but I stayed in touch with him and his family. And, um, I send little messages and make sure and touch base with the kids. And there is, there's that magical age for children, which is my favorite as a, as a mermaid and as a, a performer to work with children who still believe in magic. And that generally is about, they start to maybe question it at about seven and then by eight, usually they're like, hmm. <laughs> so, but younger than that age is just the sweetest thing because they do, they believe in things like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And um, to be a real bit of magic in their lives, even if it's for that one day 
for a wish or for an experience or for someone's birthday, whatever it is, connecting with children and then infusing love and magic and also an understanding of how they impact our oceans every day. Because I do, I infuse that every time. I always ask the child I'm with or the children I'm with, hey, what's your favorite ocean creature? And I'm this virtual encyclopedia of knowledge about ocean animals. So I'll usually share a fact. Did you know that? And I'll you know, explain something about whatever the creature is that they say they love so much. And then we talk about how their actions impact the ocean, even if they're far away from it. And kids are sea sponges. They just absorb information and they listen and they remember. And if you get them excited about something, they're going to share it with everyone. Everyone who will listen, their parents, their brothers and sisters, their friends at school, their auntie and uncle, doesn't matter. They want to share these things that they feel empowered with and are excited by. So teaching children about our oceans and the importance of ocean conservation and exploration is, it's to me, the best way to make good things happen for our oceans now and into the future. Yeah. Oh, sorry, just dropped my mouse. <laughs> oh, heavens! <laughs> Hope it doesn't gonna, run away. I'm going to do without it. Well, that kind of brings us to Mermaid Minute, which which is mm. a wonderful series. And Thank I've you. Watched, uh, again, wonderful. I've watched um, I've watched a few of them. I mean, I, I just watched the one with the crabs. Oh yes. Ah, that is absolutely fantastic. So. How far into, into marine conservation do you feel you can go with children? Because there's a lot of hard stuff associated with conservation. Um, how far do you personally go with that? I'm a firm believer in sharing the beauty and the magic of an environment rather than the doom and the gloom. Uh, I think people are much more as a whole, even adults, everybody, humans, uh, and mermaids too, are, are more receptive to positive messaging and messages of hope. At least I am. I could just be projecting my wishes out there into the world through my message, but hey, cool. If it resonates with others who love positivity, beauty, hope, and seeing, okay, hey, here's what we still have. How can we make this even better? How can we improve this? How can we save this? So with children, I don't want to discourage children or make them feel sad. Um, the, I think that the deepest I've gone with messaging that might impact them on an emotional level that would be considered sad or in any way negative is just saying, hey, um, like for example, you might've seen the episode where of Made Minute where I have a plastic bag next to a jellyfish. And I show the kids like, hey, animals in the ocean can't tell the difference between this plastic bag and this jellyfish. Can you see why? And when they see that and connect it and say, oh, I can understand why a sea turtle could not discern the difference between these two things, but they think it's all their food and they might eat this. Well, it can kill them if they eat that little plastic bag. So how can we stop with plastic bags? You know, that's one example of probably about as deep as I'll go with a message of harm. So I turn it into an empowering thing, a call to action for those kids. And I say, every time you throw away a plastic bag into a recycling bin or you tell your mom and dad to use these canvas bags or reusable bags at the shops or the stores instead of plastic, you can say, I just saved a sea turtle. So that's the message. So it's about transforming it into something relatable 
something that's empowering and giving them a, a resource or a tool that they can, as a child, control. They can say, hey, mom, dad, don't we have those bags in the car, those canvas bags? Let's, can, I, can I encourage us to do that with the veggies instead of putting the veggies in those plastic bags? You know, and, and when, when a child says that to an adult, it's going to leave an impact on the adult. Yeah, it is, most definitely. It's going to be a hard adult to ignore that. Yeah. How many, how many people do you have following you? I mean, on YouTube channels or and for the various programs you have? Let's see. Um, on YouTube alone, I think I have just somewhere around 93,000 subscribers on that channel. I've worked hard over the years and have somewhere over 50,000 video views, which is, is just incredible. I never could have dreamed of these kinds of numbers when I started my little, my little meager channel when I was, you know, a young Merling. Uh, but when I remember I put up my very first video on YouTube and unbeknownst to me, it went viral. Cause I, it's like I'd signed on, I created a Mermaid Linden channel. I put up a promo video for my live performance services and left it up there with the website. And like a couple of months later, I don't know how it happened. Cause this is back in like 2008 or nine. Um, and I came back on to YouTube one day and signed into my little channel and it's like, one of your videos has exponential viewing. I was like, what? And I looked and it had over a million views, it, which blew my mind because viral videos back then were just not as common as they are now. And so that was neat. And then that's when I really thought, okay, I already have so many subscribers and people tuning in to this message that clearly are interested in mermaids. I have to make the Mermaid Minute. And that's where I created the show where it's one minute about a subject in the oceans for children or anyone who wants to watch. Adults learn too. A lot of my friends who have children will turn it on for their kids and then be like, Lyndon, I learned so much about octopuses. I had no idea. <laughs> so it's great. But in aggregate, I think I have somewhere well over 100,000, uh, probably closer to 150,000 followers uh, subscribers and such over various social media platforms. Fantastic number. Amazing. Well done. Um, and tell me, does any of that go into schools? Do you know if schools actually use your programs? Absolutely. So oh. when I did season one of Mermaid Minute, which was completely self-funded and very shoe, you know, shoestring budget and, you know, friends helping me out and loaning me some gear to film and helping me get the, the, the cojones to go in front of camera and feel confident on camera, because believe it or not, it, when I'm recording, like conversationally like this, I'm great. But when you tell me to say lines and be in front of camera for something, I get really nervous. I clam up. And uh, so my friends were incredibly supportive when I was filming season one and helped me and guided me through that process. And then I realized when season one went viral as well, millions of views. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And I was getting emails and messages from teachers and parents saying, look, we are using this in our classroom. We love it. Are you going to make more? Uh, but it was the truth was I wanted to do a really good job. Having a background in production and film and television, I didn't want to have this kind of shoestring look anymore. I really had a vision for creating a more um, visually stunning experience for the viewers and for the kids. And also, I wanted to create a cartoon version of myself. So I made a Kickstarter project 
and I overfunded. I was, again, shocked at the support that I received from existing followers, teachers, parents, friends, children who said, mommy, we want more of them, you know, donate to Kickstarter. So Mermaid Linden can make more. And so I overfunded my Kickstarter. I turned myself into a cartoon. I had an animator. So now for season two, uh, you see in the beginning, I'm real live action Mermaid Linden underwater. And then a magical, it turns me into, I'm a cartoon. So it's magical. And I love that because it, it mixes the animation with the live action. So you see the real footage of these animals in their environments. You sometimes, of course, see me free diving with the whale sharks or with the dolphins or with the sharks or the mantas. And so that's part of the fun of being a mermaid is traveling around the world, diving with these creatures and knowing this isn't just about me having a cool experience in the ocean. It's a much bigger cause than that. I'm just a vessel of, of hopefully excitement and magic and beauty that encourages whoever watches this programming to want to conserve that beauty and magic and do anything in their power to do so. Yeah. I was, <laughs> as you were talking, I was, I was just recounting the shot of you on the seabed with your laptop uh, answering <laughs> a, a child's question. It's fantastic. <laughs> Much fun. Yeah, that, that was terrific. Um, just changing the the uh, tax slightly, um, you've co-branded uh, with BodyGov, who mm -hmm. creates um, the produce. But what exactly are you are you selling or, or making? Yeah, so so this was amazing. Uh, back in two thousand thirteen. Um, I ended up doing a collaboration with Body Glove and who's a brand that I grew up with. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so what we did was we, we created the Mermaid Linden by Body Glove concept. And then I, uh, because I had created this incredible prosthetic silicone tail back when I started my business. And it, it's a very unique style tail. I wanted something that really looked different from anything else out there. So I created this crescent shaped fluke, which is different from usually when you think of mermaids, or at least in the past, I had always imagined or envisioned them and seen them with kind of a, a cetacean style tail, like a whale or a dolphin shaped fluke that's almost like that little heart with those tips at the sides. And I actually did research and used biomimicry, which is where we imitate nature to create things for humans to use. And instead of reinventing a wheel, I thought, okay, let's look into nature. What is the fastest fish in the world? Because I wanted this tail to be fast, resilient, beautiful, and functional. And so there it was, the fastest sharks, the fastest like tuna, um, sailfish, they have this kind of crescent-shaped fluke. And I realized that this was what I wanted to implement, not only for the functionality of this tail, but you could, in my imagination, just see a silhouette of a, a photograph from underwater, like from below looking up to the surface of Mermaid Linden. And you know it's her because of that crescent-shaped fluke that I had never seen on any other mermaid or in any kind of books or photographs or stories. And so that was what I designed with my incredible friend, Alan, who's a special effects artist. And then that design was carried through to the monofins. You're wondering, how is this circling back to body glove? Well, the monofins are designed after my unique signature crescent shaped fluke. So 
now little sea fans and adults alike can envelop themselves in the underwater world, put on a mermaid linden monofin, and have that, if they're comfortable, you know, I designed them as a free diver, I wanted comfortable monofins, because monofins typically are not comfortable. <laughs> you can ask any competitive free diver to see their blisters from their monofins. Um, so that was my goal was to create with this incredible opportunity I was given with Body Glove to design these products. And they didn't ever have monofins before. So this was it. And so here I, I was having had all this experience designing a tail. And I said, how about this? And now they're the top selling fins on Amazon and hundreds of thousands of little merlings around the world are wearing these fins and experiencing the magic of being a mer person. I have to say, I did try monofin once. And I was such a failure. <laughs> I just couldn't grasp it at all. And to my shame, to my utter shame, I gave up. Um, but maybe, oh. maybe I should have a look at your fins and, and try again. Well, I'll tell you something. So, so the adult fins, you're not going to be able to actually have one here. I always have samples. It's, but I have my little green screen backdrop, so it won't show well. But the adult fins are, are unisex, so they do fit a wide range of foot sizes. So depending on what shoe size you are, uh, our adult fins fit like little tiny women's feet with a sock that it comes with. And we have a five mil neoprene sock that comes with the monofins and you don't have to use them. Obviously they're only there if you need it for, for smaller feet to fill out the foot pockets. And then you can remove the sock and then expand the foot, expand the foot straps so that even large feet can fit in. So I don't know the equivalent in, in UK sizes, but we can fit up to a size 11 and a half men's shoe in the US. It's about the same sort of sizes really. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, 11 and a half is, is, is a very generous man size shoe. So uh, that's fantastic. Well, then I'm going to have to make sure you get one. <laughs> and, and I can give you some pointers because once you get the, the monofin movement, it is yeah. truly an incredible, like you feel the wind in your hair, you fly through the water, you engage your core muscles. It's actually the best way to get a six pack. Wow. Right. Sold. <laughs> oh, I just frozen there for a moment. Oh, you're back again. Back oh. again. That's all right. Oh, yeah. um, just one last thing. Um, Am I still here? Yes, you're there. You're still there. Oh, you're good. There. Sorry. You know, my little router is blinking red. I don't know what happened. Sorry. I mean, I lost my mouse. You lost your router. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it through to the end. What's, what's the future holding for you now? Oh, the future of like Oh gosh. Okay. Well, let me tell you, Jeff. My biggest dream for the Mermaid Linden messaging and branding is to have a true 30-minute format children's uh, program that is on a network or Netflix or a large outlet that is accessible to children. Um, I know that the internet is an incredible way to get your message out. Thus, why I made my YouTube channel. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the wild west of, of being able to get content out there. But to have something that is even more popularized by pop culture and is accessible on a large outlet, I, I just, you know, I don't know if there's a program out there that offers what, what I would in mind. So I, I actually am in the throes of pitching 
shows to, uh, I'm working with producers to do that. So I'm actively working on that dream, but I don't think it's often that you have uh, a product line that is then followed up by a program. It's usually the other way around. You get the program, then you get the merch, the merchandising. So I already have the merchandising and tried and true customer base. Uh, so I feel like hopefully, maybe someone is going to say, who is this crazy mermaid? We want a kid's show with her. That is my ultimate dream. Uh, I absolutely would love that. An expanded version of Mermaid Minute. It has to work. It, it, they'd be crazy not to take it, it oh. honestly. I really hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, we'll sign off there. And um, yeah, best of luck with it. I hope, I hope it comes through. So much. I'm honored to be Oh, you broke up again. Let's get you back for a second. No, you broke up. I'll say goodbye. Bye.